So it's normal for us that we have mm, delusion covering over our minds, giving rise to a sense of self. There's uh, this proliferation that happens, and that can often come out through our speech. And so we talk uh, based upon the ignorance that we have. But we need to train ourselves until we realize that this ignorance is not self. Uh, But it is the nature of the mind that has delusion to be ignorant and for it to be proliferating, and for this to give rise to um, craving and clinging and seeing all things in terms of a self. But really, this just arises from the proliferations of our mind. You know, when we have this clinging that gives rise to becoming and birth and then on to suffering. And the mind goes and attaches to all of this as being me and mine. All the kilesas that arise, all the suffering that we have, we think that this is all belonging to me. And so there's this self that arises constantly. But if we bring up knowledge, then we'll understand that all of this is just phenomena that arises, stays for a while, and then ceases. And sometimes the mind has greed, hatred, and delusion within it, and sometimes these defilements are absent. So they're things that just arise and cease, arise and cease. It's true for the unskillful qualities and also for the skillful qualities as well. And if we perceive this with depth and realize it's all anatta, that the mind is just the mind, it's not a being, not a self, not me, not other. And um, if we can establish our minds um, in this way, to see their purity, and we'll perceive that all of the uh, proliferation that happens within them, all of the ignorance present just arises and ceases. It stays for a short time and goes away. So it's not me, it's not mine. We also see the body in this way as well, that it comes into the world, it stays for a time, and then it dies. It's just that when the mind is lacking knowledge, then it goes and clings to that. But the truth is that it doesn't belong to us. Our ignorance and the proliferations that happen upon that ignorance gives rise uh, to conflict in this world because we have views that differ from one another. So there's no peace and we argue and we fight. It happened during the Buddha's time and it's happened um, constantly from then until this present day. And it's just the nature of the world to be this way. Because the people who are born into this world have clinging and craving, and their hearts aren't peaceful. So if we, <coughs> sorry, if we want peace, then we need to establish this in our body and in our speech first. And we do this through sila. But um, sila, our virtue, it's not sufficient to destroy the wrong views that we have. 
So we also need to give rise to correct views as well. And it's actually not the case that we destroy these things, just like we don't um, abolish darkness. All we have to do is give rise to light, to shine light in that darkness. Where does that darkness go? Well, it actually doesn't go anywhere. It's still there. It's just that this bright light is present. When the light goes away, then this darkness will come up again. But if there's a constant presence of light, then the darkness, even though it's there, it can't do anything. Even though it's still there, it can't obstruct um, our sight in any way. So when we understand this, we'll perceive that the defilements are just um, aramanas. They're just um, mental sensations that arise, stay for a while, and cease. And they're not able to do anything, do any harm to our minds. So it's similar to the COVID virus, um, that when it's died, and it's just the uh, kind of the body or the corpse of the virus, it's not able to bring any harm to our bodies in any way. So we need to give rise to wisdom to bring this up within our minds. Some people do this through contemplating into anicca, dukkha, anatta. And there was a Sri Lankan man who asked me whether this was correct. He said he, in his practice, um, reflects upon anicca, dukkha, anatta, uh, this inconstancy, stress, and not self. And that is the right way to proceed, um, because the contemplation of these three characteristics are what give rise to wisdom. But sometimes it's the case that the energy of our mindfulness is lacking. So then we should come back and look at the breath or recite the meditation word of Buddha. And then when our minds are established in peace, we can return to our contemplation and um, do this effectively. But it's also not something that we need to to hurry or rush. And some people, um, their minds aren't so peaceful, so they need to use a means of contemplation to bring about that peace. Maybe they chant uh, this verse of Itipiso, but their minds just don't like it. So then they can more actively uh, recollect the great qualities, the beautiful qualities of the Buddha, that he had this boundless wisdom um, that is incomparable. And maybe these people's hearts like to contemplate in this way. It gives rise to inner joy. Reflect that the Buddha was able to destroy the defilements through his own efforts that he could become this um, self-awakened Buddha. When we do this, then the heart may become very still and peaceful, and a rapture arises, and there's a happiness that we gain through reflecting upon these great qualities of the Buddha. And if that's the case, then we should bring up this recollection very frequently, this Buddha Nusati, the recollection of the qualities of the Buddha, 
as the focal point of our hearts. Um, for many people, you just feel quite unfamiliar with Dhamma Nusati, with the recollection of the Dhamma. And the recollection of the Sangha, there aren't so many people who do that. Uh, but for most of us, when we recollect the Buddha, it feels like there aren't any obstructions or any obstacles. So when our hearts gain peace, then we can take them to think and to contemplate, um, to practice vipassana. And the objects of vipassana are anicca, dukkha, anatta. So then we come to the stage of contemplation, and we go back and forth between the calming aspects of meditation and the more active contemplation aspects. We try to keep our minds in a wholesome state, in a meritorious state, try to always be developing them, raising them up, building up goodness within ourselves. And using this opportunity, this life that we have now in samsara. And then even though we are presently stuck in the cycle of birth and death, and that even though our hearts have defilement, and we should still really be firm in this building up of goodness in taking care of our sila well, gathering our minds together into a state of samadhi and bringing up wisdom. This is a practice that we do need to train ourselves in and do it very frequently. And when we practice in this way, we'll feel at ease. There'll be this merit within our hearts so we try to raise up the level of our minds. Initially, they're at the stage of a human. But we try to bring them up um, to a celestial place, to um, the level, the inner level of a deva, and do this and keep them there as frequently as we can. When we see other people doing good deeds, and we express our joy, our appreciation of their goodness, but um, for some people, this is very difficult. And um, for some, their minds go the opposite direction. They see people doing merit, but perhaps they don't like that, or they don't like those people. And their hearts are very dark in this state. So we try to bring up uh, the mudita jitta, the mind that has this sympathetic joy, the mind that is benign and uh, can rejoice in the goodness of others. So if we're finding it difficult to rejoice in their goodness, perhaps we don't like those people, we shouldn't see them as being people or see it as being a person. Rather, we see them as just one mind. It's just a mind that um, though the qualities in it just arise and cease, arise and cease. So it's like a photo that we may see in our mobile phones, and that just comes and then it goes. We move on to the next thing. The thing is what we often do is we save that photo in the memory of our phones. So we feel like it hasn't ceased at all. 
So oftentimes the things that we don't like, the impressions that we don't like, we keep them in our hearts, we store them away. And even though they are arising and ceasing, arising and ceasing, arising and ceasing, we don't see them in that way. Really they're empty, um, but we're not able to perceive that nature. But the state of the mind is that way. Um, Whether there's goodness or there's um, unskillful qualities present, or whether they are liking or they're disliking, um, these things just arise and cease. So we try to train um, ourselves to say sadhu, to express our appreciation in the good deeds of other people. And firstly, we train in, with the people that we like. We find it easy to express our appreciation. And then we go on to the people who we feel indifferent to. And eventually we can move to the people that we dislike. But we try to see it all as being not-self. Um, that it's just a mind that is doing these deeds. But really, the mind, in essence, has a purity to it. And even though that purity um, may presently be mixed with impure things, um, eventually, it will, if it gains knowledge um, and dhamma, then the brightness of that mind will be able to increase and grow in its radiance. So sometimes the mind <coughs> proliferates or thinks in a way that's good, and sometimes it thinks in a way that's bad. And that's just normal. But no matter what the case, um, when we see people doing good acts, um, no matter who they are, then we should try to express our appreciation to show the mudita that we have and try to cultivate our hearts in this way. And we should also contemplate into the nature of the mind. What's the mind like? and contemplate the qualities in the mind as well. Is it giving rise to liking or disliking? Is the greed, hatred and delusion present in the mind or not? And so we're aware of our hearts, um, looking at them in this way. The mind that is meritorious or that is demeritorious, the mind that's skillful or unskillful, we're aware of this, and we're aware as these states flip over we have awareness, mindfulness, understanding that this mind is just a mind. And we perceive the Dhamma in this way. So there um, today have been some lay people who have come from Pijit province. Jit in Thai comes from the Pali word Jitta, which means mind. So if we... Um, contemplate the name of this province, Pijit, in uh, terms of Dhamma, then we can see that what it really means is um, to contemplate into the Jitta, to understand the Jitta. And so really people who come from this province should be able to understand the Dhamma very easily. So when we try to view things in the light of Dhamma, then We'll see them in that way. We'll see them through that angle. 
So all of us should try to follow um, the example and the teachings of the Buddha. The Buddha was the highest in the world, the most excellent, the most developed being in the world. So we follow this path that he uh, pointed out. And we can put it in many different ways. It's the path of Sila Samadhi Panya, that's one way. The path of Hiri and Otapa is another way. The path of uh, Kanti, this uh, patient endurance. And no matter which angle we view it at, uh, or from, it's all Dhamma. Really the highest um, of these qualities are that of um, Sati and Sampajanya, of mindfulness or recollection, and uh, Sampajanya, this all-round knowing. And these are two qualities that give great benefit to us. So if we're going to contemplate it in terms of three aspects, then we look um, Sila Samadhi Panya, or we can see it also in terms of Anicca Dukkha Anatta. This is also three aspects. So whenever we look at things um, with Dhamma, then we'll see in line with that Dhamma. There was one um, story about a monastery, um, and the abbot of this monastery um, had a younger brother who also lived there, who was a monk as well. And it was normal that whenever an, a monk who came in from somewhere else, um, a visitor came, that they would ask some questions about the Dhamma. So there was a time when the abbot was away and a visitor came. So his younger brother went to receive the visitor. And the younger brother of the abbot, he was blind in one eye. So the, this kind of question and answer, um, this Dhamma um, questioning that happened, uh, they did it um, silently. So the visitor, he held up one finger to say that um, the, it looked like the wisdom of this younger brother was very great. But the younger brother um, of the abbot, he became very angry. He thought that this visitor was saying that he only had one eye, that he was blind in the other eye. So in response, he held up his fist. The visiting monk thought that this was excellent, this was a great reply. So he held up three fingers in response. And, um, and then the younger brother of the abbot, uh, he was furious at this response because he thought that these three fingers, what they meant was, um, I have two eyes and you just have one, so together that makes three. He went to tell his brother about this um, silent conversation that they had. Um, but really, this younger brother, he hadn't uh, understood what happened. He wasn't able to see things in the way of Dhamma. Um, that these three fingers, what they meant was sila, samadhi, and panya. And this all comes together in the one path. So everyone who has come here today has had to travel um, quite far to get here. Many people have traveled from very far away. Um, they've had to... Um, get an, an aeroplane even, and come all the way here. In order to travel here, we've also had to go against the flow or the 
um, stream of the world in order to be able to come and enter into the stream of the Dhamma. What it really means to fall into the stream of the Dhamma is that we've fallen into Nibbāna. We see all things in the world as being constant, stressful, and not-self. So one day, during the course of one day, um, there's this proliferation and constant thinking that gives rise to me and mine. But we have to try to train ourselves to see it as not-self, that there's no true self there. And in doing this, our minds will be able to let go. So just as when we take our bodies to different beautiful places, we need such as uh, mountaintops, um, the countryside, we need a path to travel on in order to get there. And so our minds also need a path to travel to reach emptiness to reach a space where they're no longer deluded, to be able to see the Dhamma that the Buddha taught. So we should all set our hearts um, on this path um, to use these lives that we have now, this opportunity that we've been given in this life, before um, our lives end, before these bodies start to deteriorate. But if we do use this opportunity well, um, then we'll be able to, to get there. We really need to be intent to try to find and to meet the Dhamma that the Buddha taught, to turn our hearts um, into the inner Buddha, to find this inner nature of awakening within ourselves. So may all of you grow in blessings. <laughs>